0: How might parents best support their children's learning when in virtual school at home? Today on the show, I speak with Karina Stone on her experiences educating her children at home for the past eight years. I'm your host, Celeste Kirsch, and we are teaching tomorrow. Regardless of your day job, If you are a parent of young children, chances are high that, right now, you are taking on being your child's teacher as the regular teacher is doing their best at educating them through a screen. While it is amazing what educators can do through Meet or Zoom, we know that in-person learning just can't be replicated through a screen. With Ontario's recent lockdowns, and for some places, continued school closures, Many parents are tasked with navigating the flow of their child's day with their own work situation. To say that parents are frazzled is a remarkable understatement. I wanted to hear from a parent who's been figuring out the homeschooling slash unschooling thing since before the pandemic. Partially because I hope that they may have some strategies that I hadn't tried yet, but also because I just wanted to know it's possible for parents to educate their children and not be crying at the end of every day. While I don't think that my guest today has all the answers or doesn't have the occasional cry fest of her own, Karina Stone's caring, gentle, and attuned approach to educating her three boys gave me real comfort and inspiration. In this episode, we discuss how to really observe our children to notice what their learning needs are, the importance of taking mental health days, paring down the curriculum to cut out the static, and how to find that sweet spot of just enough challenge. Let's slide right into that conversation now. Please welcome Karina Stone to the podcast. Karina Stone, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. It is such a delight to get to talk to you and to see your face right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Likewise. Yeah, I'm, d- I'm really happy to be here and, and to have been given the opportunity to reflect on choices that I've made as a parent.
0: I wanted to bring you on because I know that you made the choice to school your children yourself and to have them in your home and to educate them there. Can you tell people about how you made the choice to educate your children at home?
1: Yeah, um, this was really, really early on in fact I think back to when my first child who's now almost eight was three weeks old and nursing in the middle of the night and and I just remember looking at him and thinking like he can't help but be completely embodied and he can't help but fully express himself all the time that's just what he does and and I it was just like this little promise to him at 3 a.m um that I would do my best as a parent to protect his embodiment and his self-trust. That's, I think it's just everything else came from that. And, and that evolved over time to, you know, in really supporting our connections with nature. We ended up moving closer to nature and supported how I would respond to him and to his little being and as a, as a child. And then as he grew and, um, it led me to being really interested in Montessori methods for um for working with kids and w- mainly you know not interrupting children and letting them guide their interests and teaching through teaching through modeling and teaching through teaching versus like teaching through correcting um that was the really that was a really big one for me and I feel like that's something I had to really protect was that I could maintain that with my first child I became interested in Montessori methods um, for educating and guiding kids and especially um, the the approach of like not interrupting kids and giving kids time and space to get absorbed and um, teaching by teaching and modeling versus teaching by correcting and and also teaching like one one skill at a time and really allowing them to develop one skill at a time and using materials that kind of innately allow them to do that so i i you know somewhat structured our environment around that and was just at home with my kids which just to name is really privileged i was really lucky to be able to be at home with my kids and and then you know over time what I started to notice was my eldest child was engaging really really creatively with materials and and the stuff in the home and and in ways that I didn't expect and over time with in constellation with a lot of other things, we learned that he was autistic and this this kind of through like a wrench in like my um my, my, what I latched on to is this you know Montessori methods I was like really into this and then I was like oh I, I have to like really kind of reset what my what my expectations are here and um just really observe him and see what his needs really are and um my viewpoint had to change um the what I expected um had to change and he 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 really needed me to learn to, um, to listen to him really, really carefully. And, um, and so kind of like set me back to just my original goal of just wanting my kids to be super embodied and trusting themselves. And I realized like I had really latched onto this like method that I really liked mm-hmm. and it just wasn't, it wasn't what he needed. Yeah. Um, and I mean, what happened around that time, I yeah, I started working with um, therapists for him and I learned skills around really, really slowing down, allowing like a lot of processing time, shifting how I communicate. So I started using a lot of cognitive transparency, helping his brain self regulate through that. And speaking declaratively, so instead of asking a lot of questions, um, sharing my observations, and mm. um, which I think all kids benefit from. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then, you know, my commitment to just being at home with them and um, was, was really safe for doing all those things and, not, and there wasn't like a lot of pressure for, for things to be different than what made sense for him in our home. Um, you know, I, I had the ability to make the environment really calm, as calm as possible for for him. And then at the same, at that point in time, also, I had a little baby. So um, the environment was naturally changing. <laughs> um, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> you know, not so
0: calm with a little baby around. Sometimes
1: not so calm. Yeah, yeah, you do, you can. Maybe not so calm, but still flexible. And, um, you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't striving to push him through a lot of transitions, which were hard for him. I was able to be in the home and, and respond to his needs. So all that was starting to work. We had some new supports and my viewpoints were shifting on how to approach things. And then as you know, Celeste, my my husband passed away and um, and everything shifted again. And yeah. these these things were like nine months apart from each other. So mm-hmm. I think I was like just getting through you know, my little grieving time of like going through the autism diagnosis. And then, which now I feel like looking back was, a, I have, that's a larger conversation around neurodiversity and how um, neurodiversity is pathologized and yeah. going through that. And then that healing process from that. Um, yeah. And then, and then my husband passed away from mental illness, which also we'd been living with for, you know, until he passed away too. So there'd been a lot of, um, instability around our home and and then and then it kind of it got blown open so I I can Mm -hmm. really like I can really from that place like really relate to how people are completely ruptured by COVID like I get that like and um and from like you know three and a half years down the road (laughs) like hopefully it's not three and a half years of COVID but like you do learn to navigate that and and I think there is there's lots of grief in that and (sighs) I feel like god like parents were just thrust from like having systems they really really trust and places they can you know lean on for their own life to flow and for everything to work economically and like in the nuclear family way and and then that carpet's ripped out from underneath your feet and you're just scrambling and at the same time you're like fretting about your kids keeping up or not falling behind and learning what they need to learn and getting all their socializing in. <laughs> um, and I don't so know much pressure.
0: the COVID experience could even compare to losing a partner in the way that you did. Like it's such a different kind of trauma. Like we're all living through trauma in this time. But Mm -hmm. I I think what you said before of resetting expectations is huge. Mm -hmm. Like, it sounds like you've had to do that continually, like Mm -hmm. reset your expectations around who your eldest child is and how he's neurodiverse and reset your expectations when you're parenting without your husband. And, you know, everybody is resetting their expectations now as well. Like even. Yeah. Even people who find okay, distance learning, not a big deal, but it might not work for your child. Like mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of resetting expectations. So I feel like that's a theme for so many of us right now.
1: Yeah, that I can imagine might be really hard, especially in the thing you mentioned about like kids... Like it doesn't work for everyone to be online. Like I know my kids, they have like a 40-minute limit to when their eyes start to glaze. Yeah. And (laughs) and I'm like, okay, this is gonna change our whole day and tomorrow if this continues. Mm
0: -hmm. I wanna hear a little bit about what does a typical day in your house look like? Like I can imagine that not every day is the same, or perhaps you have a pretty routine and organized existence to keep three young boys kind of occupied. And how do you, how do you manage that energy in your home?
1: Yeah. So uh, yeah, from the beginning, again, like I can't get away from how I just really wanted to trust my kids rhythms. Yes. Um, and so much so that with my oldest kid, like I never pushed bedtime at the end of the day, mm. I would engage him and um, we would just be in the home doing things and he would show signs of being tired. And I'd say, are you feeling ready to go to bed? And, And he would go to bed happily, willingly when he was really ready. And that just Mm -hmm. fell into a rhythm. He was an earlier to bed kid than my second kid. (laughs) My second kid really was like a 9 p.m., 9 a.m. wake up from the get-go. Oh, gosh. And so then it's like mixing these two together, right? And that's Mm. a dance over time. But so our days start between 7.30 and 8. Sometimes my littles are sleeping until 9 and they can. I'll let them go. And we'll wake up, the kids and I will just snuggle in bed. We have, they have bunk beds now, but they've co-slept for most of their lives and they'll just jump in bed with me and my littlest two need a good long snuggle in the morning. So that's the first thing.
0: (laughs) That is a perfect way to start the day. I'm very much into this. Keep going.
1: (laughs) And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that I don't feel the pressure that I have to get my kids ready and pack all the lunches and. And I really identify as being neurodivergent too. And for me, the executive functioning to do that, like, I actually don't think I fully have that. <sighs> and I'm, I'm. I'm getting to the place where I'm okay with that. Um, yeah, we 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 move how we move through the world, and we're doing our best and dealing with a whole lot. But so
0: you're snuggling in bed for so we're nice... snuggling bed.
1: Going back to that, yeah, yeah we're snuggling in bed. And then you know someone's hungry, so the porridge bowl, the porridge pot goes on. Mm-hmm. Or every now and then someone wants pancakes, and the first person done breakfast invariably is my eldest. And then him and I will prepare. For doing our animal chores so we have a small farm mm. and um we'll bring the goats hot water and food and let out the chickens and collect eggs and that takes about a half hour 45 minutes especially if we're just slow about it and chatting usually about minecraft <laughs> um and, you know, we'll like hold hands and walk around and talk about the animals and talk about things. And I really love that time. I feel like that's, that's some of the best learning in mm-hmm. those moments because we're co-regulating with each other. So his mind is really calm and can go to places it might not go when he's in a busier environment. So that's that's really precious time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And after that, The rhythm is uh, I'm pretty focused on on supporting my eldest to like work on his self-care rhythms after that and getting ready for the day. That's that's like in his IEP Mm -hmm. um, is self-care and and getting ready for um, the rest of the day. And we'll work on that. And then either he goes to um, uh, twice a week, he goes to a support education assistant in a homeschool way like we work through a directed learning program and and so he'll work with her for for a few hours um, or we're at home doing some structured learning so my focus with the kids primarily is reading that's my my biggest focus and um, and then the math uh, we, we do some math also and it's a bit and it's a bit in the background of, a little bit because they're so into it Mm. (laughs) they love math so much and I I should say my kids are almost eight five and three um and the five-year-old and 3 year old are um they're just like complete math wizards and they play math they they love this show I don't know if I should say show things on the internet but number (laughs) blocks on Netflix it's like oh my gosh, they love it. Like I had to kind of wean them off of it because I will like try other things. This is too much. <laughs> but, you know, and, and then at one point they were so into, I'm like, okay, so maybe I can start bringing in some worksheets and we'll mm-hmm. do some other things. And And I actually completely derailed their math learning ah. by trying to bring in the worksheets, like they were doing multiplication, like my five-year-old, like no problem, oh, doing multiplication and my three-year-old's counting to 30. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just, you know, so they, they do that. And we also, we follow, there's a program called IXL that we subscribe to through the directed learning program. And we, we lean on that as um, a support for some of the, the math goals which sometimes they'll do on a tablet and sometimes I'll extrapolate it into like real world examples, um, in the kitchen or, or just in conversation. And so I, so every day or, you know, every day that we do structured learning at home, my goal is, um, at least a half an hour one-on-one with each kid. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then they do probably a half an hour to 45 minutes of their independent learning on a tablet um, in the background while I'm working with another kid. Those mm-hmm. are the goals, you know, it's, there's some flexibility around that. And we we do that about four times a week um, and sometimes more and sometimes less. And the sometimes less is like we have room for mental health days mm-hmm. and my mm-hmm. mental health days. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I have them, I have them strung together for periods of time and Sometimes not. And sometimes, you know, sometimes we take a week off cause I need a week. Yeah. Um, and that's just our reality. And, and also then sometimes it, the day is not a learning day for my, my kids and I can see that or for one of them and, and mm-hmm. we can be flexible with that um, to yeah. a degree. Yeah. And I was lucky to be mentored in like a reading program. Mm by one of our behavior therapists, uh, partners. And so it's, it's a, you know, it's a very specific program that is used across North America in schools and often with um, special education. And what I really love about it is it's very much like skill by skill. Like we, Mm. my kids, my kids don't even, they couldn't sing you the alphabet and I don't care. Mm. And they don't, I don't, I don't focus on letter names on purpose because I want them to be focused on letter sounds Yeah, because my goal is them reading and decoding. That's like decoding number one. And when we get past that, then comprehension, but so we're not, we've taken out the static of like of those other, you know, understanding the letter names. And I know that's important at a certain point, but it's not my first goal. And, um, I'm really happy with that. And I'm really happy with seeing where they're getting. And um, even my kiddo who I was really stressed about being able to do this with him, like he's really doing it and he's, mm. he's we're getting there. Mm. Um, so anyhow, that's our structured time is it kind of it looks like that. And my littlest, my, meanwhile, I'm doing more structured things with the biggers. My um, three-year-old is doing puzzles. <laughs> he's, he's completely a puzzle guy it's really cute and or he's kind of watching and listening what his brothers are doing you know it's really interesting with now that it snowballs like I you know I'm guiding my older kids and my littlest kid is picking it all up like I was doing verbal math verbal addition with my middle kid and you know what's what if we add one to four, what do we get? And my three-year-old shouts five oh my gosh, <laughs> from across the room. And I, I, and I was like, oh, and it caught me by surprise. I was like, okay, what about five and one and across from the room, six. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, and I've caught him counting like 26, 27, 28, 29. Like he just knows stuff that I haven't taught him directly because yes. I'm not doing structured stuff with him, but he really is just learning it and That's really nice because there's a whole lot of work involved in the first couple.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's putting in the groundwork and he's just like gliding off of it. I love that. Yeah. That's how it would work in like a one room schoolhouse too. Like you just have all the grades together and the younger ones are just absorbing what's happening so that when they get to that point, they already have the foundation there.
1: And they motivate each other because, you know, my my older kid doesn't want to fall behind my middle kid and my middle kid Mm -hmm. wants to catch up. (laughs) And, and And that's the thing too. Like they love it. Like they're really passionate about what they're into. And and it's, you know, like when they've been given worksheets, my my middle kid is a worksheet kid. My older kid is not a worksheet kid. I had to learn that the hard way and we're still recovering. Yeah, you but, said that um, when
0: you were giving them worksheets after, like they were obviously so engaged and yeah. inspired by watching math shows on Netflix um, and the worksheets derailed them. Tell me more about that. Like, what do you think happened there?
1: So I think that, I think my older kid has like, a pretty large degree of demand avoidance mm. and
0: I and, have never heard those words put together and that explains so much about my eldest
1: child Keep going. <laughs> right which is also something like I imagine my kid in the school system would be would be having negative feedback experiences and I'm really glad to be protecting him from that mm-hmm. because I have to dance with him and I can really do it because we have we have like a huge amount of trust, mm-hmm. and I can be flexible with him too. And there, it is a dance, and um, and sometimes I have to say, you know, you know, you choose to be a homeschooler, and you choose to choose it every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is a line I use. I don't use it every day because you don't have to be a homeschooler every single day, at least four days a week. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and you know, that's not that's not rigid. That is flexible, but. I, I, I dance with with the demand avoidance and the worksheets presented a very specific expectation and it was too concrete for him. Um, and I could see that. I was like, okay, you know what? And we talked about it. Like this, this isn't working for you. And this is something I thought, and this is, yeah, just also to model like in terms of like cognitive transparency, this is something I do a lot with my kids. Like I can say, like, I was really thinking that maybe this could be a way that you could like sit down quietly with your brother and do some do some work together and have some focused time without me talking and you know learn learn in a different kind of way but I can see that that's not working and so let's talk about what what works better for you and for him it's like talking about things out loud doing things together learning through doing And also, you know, this IXL online program actually does really work for him and he's, he's really into that. So, um, you know, there's, there's lots of different aspects, but I'm really happy that um, he doesn't have to, um, he doesn't have to internalize any shame around um, the demand avoidance. I mean, not that he doesn't internalize any shame. I, I can't control what comes out through me unconsciously or subconsciously, but um, but I imagine it's far different than it could be.
0: And not in front of an entire class and the tension yeah. of like having to work with X amount of teachers that are all kind of giving him the same energy. Like I think that it is really different coming from one parent than an entire school system.
1: Sure. And then it also doesn't turn into attention-seeking behavior by default. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) I say this, yes, with like so much awareness for, you know, how my own child is interacting in JK. And yeah, I, I really can relate to that on so many fronts. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I I mean, such respect for teachers, like, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Such a big job. Yeah.
0: I mean, but I think, you know, part of the reason why I wanted to talk to you is that I find it, You know, many parents are now parenting and educating their children. And that, like, that energy of trying to find that balance between, okay, we actually do need to practice this skill and backing off is really delicate. And Mm -hmm. teaching your child any skill is hard. Like we tried to teach my eldest son to ride a bike this summer and it is really, you know, there's a lot of emotions involved. So for what you're doing right now, yes, Mm -hmm. all of us should bow down to teachers, of course, but what you're doing is, you know, really complex and really hard. So I have so much admiration for how you're figuring it out.
1: Yeah. And people figure it out in so many ways and, um, you know, unschooling versus more structured learning. Like I like to think we do a mix of both and I brought in more structure on purpose from seeing where my kids just needed more support and um I'm really happy with those choices and mm-hmm. also I like to leave space for their interests to lead to you know to snowball and lead to other things um
0: yeah yeah when mm-hmm. talking about your day I feel like we kind of got through like the middle part of it. Yeah, that's right <laughs> you so there's kind of like it sounds like a flow of like some structured learning and having one-on-one sessions with each of your children while they're kind of doing their own independent learning. Yep. Um, When you kind of get to like, I'm sure you find the different point at different days where you're like, okay, we're done doing formal learning right now. In the back of your head, are you trying to bring in concepts as you're making dinner with them or as you're doing like your evening routine? Like, How does the second half of your day flow?
1: Yeah, I would say there's no edges. There's no edges to learning. Like the learning, (laughs) there's like, you know, like we could be laying in bed and talking about space or gravity or, you know, Mm -hmm. color theory or, you know, (laughs) who knows? (laughs) Um, All kinds of things, like how goat babies come to be. Yeah. (laughs) yeah you know we breed animals we have lots of science involved in our days we talk about fecal samples and parasites and like all kinds <laughs> of things that are involved yeah, with just family,
0: typical family conversations I love typical it typical
1: family conversations and I mean my backgrounds in um, well I'd like to say like health and anatomy as a chiropractor so we talk mm-hmm. about body stuff and that's just all woven in. I'm like, I'm a geek. And so it comes in. My co-parent's a geek. So we can't kind of help but have lots of that. Um, In our life, the way it is right now, we have this little plot of land that we're developing to one day build a little house on. Mm. And so the kids are learning about the kids are playing minecraft and also they're learning about actually how we take down trees and turn them into lumber yes and then mill them into stuff to make make things you know mm-hmm. um they're learning about so many processes and steps and um yeah you know we're in nature a lot we i like to spend our afternoons outdoors mm-hmm. weather provided my kids are pretty sensory sensitive so if it's pouring rain we're not outside mm-hmm. For the most part, um, but we'll go. You know, the afternoon we'll go hike. Uh, we live on a small island on the Gulf Islands in the Gulf Islands in BC, and we'll head up a trail or go to the beach. You know, even in the winter, and um, get some outside time. Go to a local park. We're lucky that parks are still open. We have lots of reading. We, you know, read different books. We read Minecraft encyclopedias mm-hmm. and we read Minecraft novels and kids other kids books and um and you know in our family environment our family's queer we queer the books we can do that um we can take adventure not adventure books um about whether are using you know she he pronouns strictly and we can use different pronouns we can mix it up and yeah. It's I, I, nothing's missed out. Like I, I, I don't miss anything with my kids. Like they're difficult moments. Um, I'm there for those and they're good moments. I'm there for those. And, and, you know, we can reflect on things together and, and uh, talk about things. And so our afternoons are adventure. And if we can, and um, our evenings are, you know, dinner and the kids, we'll get some time to play minecraft or watch Mm -hmm. a little bit of a show and um and then we'll have dinner and often there's board games or just running around the house being (laughs) animals (laughs) um or reading Uh, but we live in a small space we live in 650 square feet we're tight all the time yeah i don't get a break from my kids (laughs) it's never ending (laughs) I still love them. <laughs> yeah, that's,
0: I mean, impressive that, like, you still have a really good relationship with them. I feel like it's, <laughs> I feel like a lot of parents and people who are in this lockdown mode right now are like, okay, this is great, but uh, we need a change up.
1: Yeah, I mean, for sure. I, I have my moments, like, I have, you know, I have how I want to be as a parent, and then <laughs> What really happens? (laughs) And I'd say, like, I'm I'm doing pretty good 80% of the time, you know?
0: Oh my gosh, that's a great percentage. (laughs) You're crushing it if you're feeling good 80% of the time. I mean the way that you're describing it, it sounds kind of dreamy. Like you're not fighting your children. It sounds like I'm sure you do sometimes, but for sure. For sure I
1: am sometimes. Yeah.
0: Able to go at the pace of life and that you're able to you know, not have to be anywhere at a certain time or feel beholden to like check in somewhere at a certain time. What are your challenges or dilemmas right now? Like what are the things that you yeah. struggle with in this mode of learning?
1: Yeah, I mean, I can't separate from that, like our family situation and my my grief, my mental health, because that's probably our biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I have... I have times when I need my co-parent to take over, and um, I'm the one that does the structured learning more, and so that kind of gets set aside, and that's okay. Um, that's probably the biggest the biggest challenge, <laughs> and um, and then also having a having and maintaining a schedule that can work with that, that's that's consistent enough because kids need that, and then also flexible enough that we can set it aside if we need to or we can make shifts um yeah we were talking before about how I learned that my eldest does not learn best with worksheets Mm -hmm. and just the challenge of needing to dance around like how best to support his learning and how does he learn best um how do each of them learn best and you know the, the other side to that is like I I really know what my kids strengths are and i really know where they're at i really know where they're at you know like i i know what sounds they have struggles to blend with other sounds when they're mm. decoding and <laughs> like that's really helpful and i'm not i'm not expecting more from them than they are exactly ready for mm. and so they're having pretty positive learning experiences um Anyhow, that's not a challenge. That's a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think have, having too many goals has been a challenge. Me, like I I get lots of ideas, you know, like I was like really excited to teach my kids how to find parasites in a microscope and like they're just not really ready to sit down and do that yet. Um, yeah. So <laughs> that's something I have to set aside. Yeah. <laughs> um, And yeah, I don't know. I think, I think there's lots, I I think, you know, uh, Hmm. probably the greatest challenge are the outside pressures and Mm -hmm. expectations and, you know, my own internalized pressures Mm -hmm. having gone through the education I did the way I did and um, second guessing that I'm doing good enough and that I'm doing doing enough (laughs) and, uh, that they're going to be okay, um, yeah. or when or if they want to go to school, mm-hmm. um, which I I'm just open to what they need, you know, if that's what they need at some point, then that's what they need. Um, yeah, so that that guilt and pressure that I I carry, you know, where I might try to like sneak in a bit extra, even though I can see that like they're kind of done. <laughs> yeah yeah (laughs) that little that little like last minute panic I can see you that we're almost done I'm like come on like two more things Mm -hmm. and I'm aware through what I've learned with my neurodivergent kids support that like kids have an edge and you can go to the edge plus one Mm -hmm. and and if you go plus two you went too far (laughs) yeah yeah and then it has a negative repercussion of, you know, a negative association with that. So I, I like, I want to, I, I aim for the edge plus one. Mm. And that's also part of why I, I do have the phrase, like, you choose to be a homeschooler. That was the, I have to push that edge a little bit. So we can't just, I can't just respect their edge. I have to push them a tiny bit further. And this is a total tangent, but i was in the i was in the emergency room with one of my kids um waiting waiting to be seen by a doctor and i overheard um one of the nurses in the nursing station next to me um going on about how they were homeschooled they were they were unschooled and they, they never did any structured learning <laughs> and and they were so resentful. And I was like, I had this panic. I was like, Oh my God, am I doing enough? (laughs) Like quietly behind the curtain, freaking Uh out. Um, you know, and you know, that's irrelevant to my situation. My situation's my situation, but what it reminded me was of the edge plus one Mm -hmm. and that I do have that responsibility to my kid to, um, to, to like encourage them and expose them to different things and and um, grow their grow their brains and grow their interests um, at least at least to show them what's possible you know but not just to not just to sit around just at the edge
0: yeah I think that's like actually something that teachers talk about too we talk about the zone of proximal development and if we're like too far out of that zone it's like we can't handle it it's overwhelming and if we're too far under the zone then we're bored. And like, it's actually like a really tricky dance to find that plus one. Like you actually kind of have to go to the plus two plus three sometimes to figure out where is too far. Like that's part of learning alongside your child and figuring them out too, because you're never going to know what the plus one is until you get to the plus two plus three to realize totally that was too much. I need to back off next time. And
1: totally. And also with I think of like also with myself, like, and I know what it feels like to push myself to edge plus two or three. yeah. yeah, (laughs) And um, so that helps.
0: I also want to circle back to what you said, like with your own grieving process and Mm -hmm. giving yourself the grace to step away or to not learn with your children one day or to just say like, okay, today we're just going to take a day off. Like obviously- everyone isn't dealing with sorting through the pieces of a deceased husband. And yet we're all kind of in a messy situation that nobody thought they would be in. So I I feel like I can really take something out of that, of just realizing that we need to protect our own mental health. We need to recognize where we're at. And if that means just not meeting your own expectations for a day or a week or whatever it is, I think that's really important. Like, I I feel like, I don't know if maybe you would, but I feel like because you're going through the grieving process, you may be more aware of what you need, but had that not been the case, maybe you would have just pushed yourself more rather than giving yourself time to take time off or to give yourself that support and care. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I think that's most likely I, I, I would have learned by pushing myself too far and that's just me, but yeah, I definitely think that we're all grieving normal right now Mm -hmm. and that is really different with, with um, the sudden loss of a spouse and I can also see that it's really like nuclear families are so stressed and (laughs) I don't know, there's so much right now and it is affecting relationships and yeah, just God, yesterday I was thinking about this call with you and I was thinking like, I'm the wrong person to do this call. Like, I don't have anything to share. (laughs) And, And I actually felt, I realized I just started to feel overwhelmed thinking that and I kind of got into the loop of like, Oh, I'm like, I'm not doing good enough for my kids. And And I just had to have a good cry. And I actually just like, it was right around the time when we would normally do structured learning in the morning. And my older kid was kind of looking to me to like, do the reading before he went off to his SCA. And, and he came into the kitchen, and I was just like crying and crying. And he's like, Oh, (laughs) (laughs) and I was just like, I think, I think today's not, I think today's not a reading day. I think it's just not going to happen today. I think we need to set today aside. And, and then I just had a really good cry in the kitchen and and kind of reset. And then, you know, 10 minutes later, I was like, okay, I can actually do this. And I went to him and I was able to talk about it. <laughs> so, you know what? I really needed to cry and I feel overwhelmed and I feel better because I had a good cry. Mm-hmm. And now I feel ready to do the reading. Do you feel ready to do that?
0: what great modeling for young people like that is exactly what we want our young people to do like feel their feelings fully talk about their feelings and then like do the next thing when it's ready
1: yeah and you know I had my little like I don't think I can do today I am (laughs) so sorry that
0: that was your feeling about this because I see you as you know Obviously, you don't have all the answers, but you're doing something that so many parents are trying to figure out right now. And this is the life that you chose. And it is something that obviously you're figuring out as you go, but you know better than many people. And, you know, like part of the thing that I'm struggling with as a parent that like just hearing you talk about how you structure your day is how do we learn to go at the rhythm of our young people. Like I'm really struggling with the idea of a four-year-old going onto virtual classes. And I'm so lucky because this teacher is amazing. But it, like, I really don't think that a four-year-old can be expected to do
1: virtual kindergarten. Like that seems- Oh, completely it's so ridiculous. hard. It's so hard. And I just imagine like some kids, some kids can really- do that and some kids really can't and I worry about that gap um yeah like the kids that need to wiggle around you can't wiggle around and look at a screen at the same time so what do you do like I know sometimes my kiddo might be upside down in his chair Mm -hmm. and our reading lesson is continuing because I don't stop for that (laughs) Uh uh-huh so they can read upside down if they need to (laughs) (laughs) But how do you look at a screen and do that? Yeah, I really feel for that. That's hard. Um, Describe a moment,
0: a typical moment in your day of educating your children that brings you
1: sheer joy. I think of this moment where there was just like this long pause with my middle kid and I just let there be lots of space because clearly that's what he was gonna take. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he's he's a slow, he's a slow thinker and he's a really deep thinker. And he just took this really long pause and he said, Mom, air touches everything. Hmm. Yeah. And he just blew my mind. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> That was so great, and there was room for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, seeing their joy at playing math, um, and I—I I didn't like create that. Mm. They did that. That was amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, seeing th- yesterday actually, my, my. Oh, again, my middle kid. He asked me. He's like, what? what do you like the best Uh, (laughs) or what do you what do you like the least you know Trump the police or ambulance (laughs) you know he had his thoughts he has you know our family ethics came out through that Um, wait what did you answer what did you actually
0: say (laughs)
1: Well, I mean, he answered for me. He's like, Trump, X through the, X through Trump. And I was like, well, you know, and then, and then he started talking about the police and we have lots of conversations about police in light of Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talk about Black Lives Matter in a way that I feel my um, recovering from trauma children can emotionally handle. Mm-hmm. But um, we have talked about law enforcement and we talk about Our ethics through that and how you know people make there aren't bad people there are people that make bad decisions Mm -hmm. and or have um incorrect views because the conditions for their viewpoints have been incorrect Mm. have or have been difficult have been challenged have been hard um anyhow so he was talking about the police and 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 he was talking about how there's some bad police and and then I was like, well, and, and then, and then he stopped himself and he said, you know, there's just people that make bad decisions. Mm. And, and I felt like, okay, this is like our family ethics coming out. And yeah. that's, that's real learning. That's the deep stuff. I mean, I was reading something recently on um, recovering from one's own childhood um, in order to be able to show up for your kids. Mm. and. and something that I was reading in that was talking about how um how we've been taught so much to really like to aim so high to be so achieving to be so successful and how often it's at the expense of our feelings and emotions and um and how really like psychotherapy um is is really like holding space for all of that and, and also for it for like space for being average and it really made me think like oh like I need to be okay with my kids being average like I don't need my kids to be superstars and they don't need themselves to be super seeing embodied like average people that can afford like healthy groceries when they're older hmm. and um I don't know that's that's kind of like what I hope for for them <laughs>
0: Yeah, that, um, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I'm I'm really grateful that you're doing that for them, like that you're being this person that can help them become themselves, whether that is average or extraordinary. I have a feeling like your children will be far from average though, Karina. I just get this sense based on
1: how you are educating them. They're pretty, yeah, they're pretty great. I think they have <laughs> wonderful minds.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So we're going to close off our conversation with a ticket out the door, which is just a bunch of short, quick, rapid fire questions. Are you ready for some silly questions? Okay. Yes. What is your favorite book to
1: read to your children? Uh, Young Kids, Julian is a Mermaid. Mm. And uh, we're into Sex is a Funny Word by Corey Mm. Silverberg.
0: Corey Silverstein? One of those. What is the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning?
1: Uh, check if it's actually morning.
0: <laughs> uh, what is the last thing you do before you go to bed?
1: Um, have some water and, um, I snuggle in with my kids. I snuggle in with my middle kid. Mm. What is currently on your
0: nightstand?
1: Um, an empty cup of hibiscus tea and the kid's toothbrush.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what is the most recent TV show you binged and loved?
1: um sex education
0: mm-hmm. yep. pie or cake cake beach or mountains chocolate cake <laughs> like we're going back in to this <laughs>
1: chocolate cake
0: perfect beach or mountains uh
1: beach, mountains and then beach <laughs>
0: <laughs> in that order spring or fall
1: ooh
0: uh spring if you could have a dinner party after COVID with any five people, who would you
1: invite? Oh, my deceased husband. Mm-hmm. Um my best friends Andrea and Erin. Mm-hmm. And and oh gosh, I just can't think of people I wouldn't, there's so many people I would want to invite. <laughs> Oh, okay. Um, um, yeah, my my uncle Yoni who died when I was twelve, mm. and um, my future
0: self. Ooh! Oh my gosh! I've never heard that included. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, what is your favorite thing to snack on throughout the day? Bugles. Mm, I never would have guessed you would have said that. That is how I know. (laughs) I love it. Okay. The last question I need from you is what do you think is the future of learning? Trust. That's a great answer. Thank you for talking and sharing and just giving us a little window into how you're figuring out how to teach your children. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thanks for the conversation. It was um, delightful and more than I expected.
0: (laughs) I think there are some incredibly powerful takeaways in this conversation for all educators, not just for those folks who are trying to teach their children at home while they're doing distance learning. The first is how might we find ways to encourage our children and students to integrate learning into the rhythm of their day? So if you're a teacher, this might mean designing more self-paced units your students can access the content on the days or times that they can handle the challenge. For parents, this might mean going onto virtual class when your child is more focused and then finding other experiences to enrich their formal learning. The second is pretty simple and you've heard it before, but reset your expectations. Let's all be okay with doing less to be better. And finally, we're all worrying about the outside pressures and the other side of this learning journey we're in. Even Karina, who's been doing this for many years, is still struggling with this. So it's okay. What we're doing is enough. What you are teaching is enough. And our children and our students are enough. I am so grateful for Karina sharing her perspective and wisdom with us. I've known Karina for many years, and it was really a joy to have this peek into her everyday world. If you found this episode helpful or have been enjoying this podcast, all I need from you is a quick reading and review on Apple Podcasts. It takes about 13.5 seconds and it means that I get feedback, it's easier for others to find us, and it helps me know what's working and what could be even better. If you're like my friend Vanessa, hi Vanessa, and you keep hearing people ask you to rate and review the show but never get around to it, now is your opportunity. If you're listening on your phone, you can do it right now, like, right now, right now. That's all the time we have for today, folks. Keep trusting your instincts. And remember, we are teaching tomorrow.